Welcome to Hi Right Now Unfiltered. I'm Stephen Choi, your host. How's the vibe? Hi Right Now Unfiltered gives you a raw glimpse into the launching of my startup on a mission to empower you to form deep, meaningful connections. In this episode, you'll meet Sabo, who was part of five startup exits and founded four companies of his own in cannabis technology. Since we first met on our Facebook group a few months ago, Sabo has become our most avid Hi Right Now community host, supporter, and sounding board. Our users tell us on a weekly basis that Sabo's Hi Right Now gatherings are unlike any other events they've attended because of the quality and diversity of the people who come and support each other. People have found mentors, mentees, business partners, friends, and I actually reconnected with one of my college friends I lost touch with through one of them. This episode was packed with so much wisdom and vibe, and I hope you learn a lot as much as I did. So let's get started. All right, Sabo, welcome to High Right Now Unfiltered. You are one of our early supporters, customers, and sounding boards of High Right Now. It is my privilege to invite you to High Right Now Unfiltered and introduce you to our audience. What's up? Hey, what's up, Stephen? Thanks for having me on the podcast. Really, really happy to have you. Can you introduce yourself and say hi to our audience? Yes, absolutely. My name is Sebo Shen. Sebo Shen. Yes, I can pronounce my own name correctly. I am a father, a husband. I'm also an entrepreneur. I currently run three companies in the cannabis space, Vape Exhale, Hanu Labs, and Burner Labs. Uh, two of them are hardware companies, and one of them makes sustainable hemp packaging. And I'm also a mindset and transformational coach. Super inspiring, Sebo. One of the things that I definitely I want to highlight here is that you have one of the most interesting backgrounds out of all the people I know and out of all the people that I've met through High Right Now and online. Being a part of five startups that all exited and you just mentioned that you started these three companies in the space of cannabis. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? How, how did that all happen and why are you doing all these three companies? Can you even achieve work-life balance and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll try to give a very truncated version of the story. So after college, I went to law school. I quickly found out that within the first week of law school, that law school wasn't for me. So I quit and I started working at Sony playing video games. So I was making 12 bucks an hour. I was thinking, oh man, I've been telling everybody I'm going to be this hotshot attorney. What the heck am I going to do? So one of my mentors told me, hey, Sabo, you really like talking. Why don't you get a sales job at a software company? And I was like, well, like, I mean, I, I just didn't know about what tech sales was about. This was back in 2003. So anyways, got my first job. It was a completely commission-based job, but I fell in love with selling, you know, and what I realized was working for five companies was if the software was the best, like in the upper right hand uh, corner of the Gartner Magic Quadrant, you know, they weren't necessarily always the companies that were doing the best financially. And I quickly realized that sales, if you could do sales really well, well, this was a key to having successful companies. So when I moved from startup to startup, I was really looking for CEOs that were sales oriented CEOs. You know, I was avoiding companies that had technical founders because I had this idea that technical founders really focused on building out the technology and felt like, you know, if you build the technology, people would come. And that was part of some of the thinking frameworks that were going around in the early 2000s. Obviously, today, we know that just because you build the best technology, 
doesn't mean people will automatically come. But back at that time, that's why I was really focused on working for companies that had sales oriented CEOs. And after I worked for five companies, I mean, you know, my main criteria for whether or not I wanted to work at the company, it wasn't that there was a sales centric CEO, but it was more, hey, did I think I would have fun working at these companies? You know, like I didn't really care about the trajectory, to be honest. I was just like, is the product cool? Are the um, product designers, are the engineers, are they fun to interview with? Does the VP of sales look like someone that is going to be like, you know, Ben Affleck from Boiler Room, or did he look like a reasonable person, right? So I really just used my gut, my intuition to go with companies where I felt that they had great people, that the culture was awesome, and that I would enjoy working there, you know, and that led me to have, you know, I don't know if that was my secret to success, or if I just got lucky. But after I, after I decided to stop working in tech in 2013, you know, and I started running my own companies, it was very much with those same principles. You know, we are a sales led organization, but we really do try to ensure that the culture is such that people really enjoy coming to work and, you know, are really getting something out of working for our companies outside of just a paycheck. That was amazing. Tell us a little bit about that transition from having been part of five startups that all exited and then now you're starting three companies. Like after seeing so much buzz and being part of so much movements, I guess I'd probably be tired or like retired from all the all the action. And now you're like, I can't get enough of it. Let me let me start three more. How did you kind of come to that realization and conclusion? Yeah. So it's really interesting. I mean, a lot of people think I work like 60 plus hours a week, but I don't, you know, I have a very balanced lifestyle. I have dinner with my wife and kids every single night. You know, I'm not on meetings all the time. And even prior to COVID, you know, like I did travel quite a bit, but I was still home for dinner as much as I could be. And my goal with my wife is we try to do date night like once a week. You know, and I know a lot of people that say, hey, I have kids, I can't do it, or I have a busy job, I can't do it. It's, well, you know what, you're not good at time management. You know, that's, that's what it is. Or when you say you don't have time to do it, what you're really saying is, I don't care about my kids enough, or I don't care about my wife enough to make time for these things. And that's a tough pill to swallow, you know, and this is why I did start my coaching um, business is that there are so many people that look at my life and think like, I just luckily fell into it. You can run companies, you're president of the PTA, you still compete in jujitsu, you do date night with your wife, like you must have like, just luckily found out all of these things. And the truth is, well, you know what, I took the red pill, I had to get out of the matrix, the matrix of getting shit done, hustle till you die, like that stuff doesn't work. It doesn't work. We aren't robots. You know, we aren't people that could work and focus more than eight hours a day. And if you can, I would really look in the mirror and see how productive you are in those hours outside of the eight hours. So what I do is I just do really, really focused work for four to five hours a day, you know, and in those four to five hours, I guarantee you I'm getting way more shit done than 99% of the people that are answering an email, looking at their smartphone, making themselves a green juice, looking at their smartphone, going back to their computer, typing a Facebook message, you know, getting on Slack, doing all that type of stuff, interrupt driven work. I mean, that stuff, if you do that stuff, then yes, you'll be working 70, 80 hours a week. What I do is I shut everything down and I do my focus work. You know, no one can contact me. 
No one can contact me during those four to five hours. Like it's my time to do work, you know, and that's the secret, you know, and if anyone wants to say otherwise and they show me their schedule, I'm 100%. I have not had a client come to me where I wasn't able to remove at least 50% of the day-to-day stuff that they were doing from their schedule. And then you ask yourself, if you had 50 more percent free time to do things, what can you do with that time? Hopefully it's not work more. You know, if the answer is work more then you have your priorities off, you know, so what I really like to tell people is, yeah, you know, I ran my first company for five years. Then I started my second company three years ago. Then I started my third company right before COVID happened. And then I started my fourth company during COVID. I still compete in jujitsu. I still hang out with my kids all the time. We play video games. And then I still take my wife out on date nights once a week. And this is all possible. This is all possible. Like, And that's the thing that I really like to tell people. And this is why I love High Right Now is I get the chance to tell way more people about what I'm doing and this lifestyle that I'm living and that it's not some like special lifestyle or that I'm some like smart guy that figured something out. No, it's just understanding what my purpose in life is, creating a vision so that I don't get distracted by all these other things like, oh, should I get Jordans today? Or do I need this ping pong table? Or do I need this $1,600 bed cooler that I've been researching? It's like, no, I know what my purpose is. I know what my vision is. And I know what all the distractions are because I have a clear view of what my vision is. And my vision is spend more time with loved ones, create dope stuff that people will enjoy buying. And it's pretty simple. If I'm doing those two things, and then I look at like, okay, what I'm doing right now. Does it support those two things? Yes. Okay. I'll do more of it. If it doesn't, then I'm distracting myself. Love that. Super inspiring. I guess that brings us very nicely over to the next topic that I'd love for you, for us to discuss, which is just kind of like going back to how we originally met, right? I found you on, I think, Asian Hustle Network on Facebook. I think I must have read your introduction and then it was talking like a lot about like, your extensive background and this kind of like a balance and everything. And I, I immediately, something inside me clicked and we connected over, over uh, a Facebook call. And then I kind of pitched high right now to you. And then you, you, you were just so open and willing to try it out and you tried it out and you ended up becoming a host. And then now we're having this conversation. And I think what I'm always learning from you is that you emanate this care. And then I think with this care, and you kind of briefly spoke about it and touched upon it, you created this community of baddest Asian dudes and a couple of others and everything. What are you trying to achieve? And what are your goals for these types of communities that you're actively trying to build? And why are you interested in using high right now to connect your members within? What is your vision there with that? Yeah. So, you know, um, in the communities that I'm trying to build, whether it's badass Asian dudes or the men's listening circles, or even my own clients is that I want to build, um, communities where people are there to help each other, you know, and I think the importance of this, especially, you know, living in such divisive times right now is like people need support. And what we really want to do with our communities is, you know, whatever your definition of a badass is, like, it could be driving awesome cars, it could be having emotional intelligence. Well, the root of it is what I want everyone in the community to do is to be able to live in accordance to their core values, whatever those core values are. So what I'm talking about is what I see, especially for the Asian community, is that we are such hyper intellectually driven people is that 
when our bodies are telling us we want to do something, we often use our logic to override that intuition. So, hey, Sabo, I want to start a cannabis company. Then my logic says, well, hey, you're a VP right now at a you know fast rising startup. Why go into the cannabis space? You know, just just stick with this. You know, you're you're going to be running your own startup in high tech, and you know you've had a ten year history where every company's had a successful exit. So when you start yours, you know, like why do something new? You could you should just play it safe, right? And if I listen to my intuition or my logic to override my intuition, I probably wouldn't be running these three companies right now. I'd be one of those tech bros that people complain about. You know, so <laughs> this is like something that I think is very important because I specialize in coaching Asian men and every Asian man that I've coached, when I ask them about their goal, you know, we end up realizing it wasn't their goal. You know, it was either their mom's goal or their friend's goal or something that they learned like through their formative years, like, hey, I should be an engineer or, hey, if I'm a doctor, like I'm going to climb up the social ladder, you know, and a lot of these people, when they become a lawyer, when they become a doctor, when they become an engineer, they don't have a feeling of fulfillment because it was never their original purpose to begin with. It was someone else's purpose. So for these communities, I really want them to be purposely driven communities where people really fundamentally understand like, hey, this is why I'm doing something. And once you understand why you're doing something, it's so much easier to, to have focus towards it. And why do I like using high right now is that, yeah, you know, there's, there's, I'm only one person, right? So I have the ability to try and disseminate my information, but I'm also only one viewpoint. And what I've come to realize is that when it comes to life and you're looking for advice, what's the best advice? Well, there is no best advice. It's whatever's the best advice at that particular moment. So if someone is having a baby and they're in extreme pain, I can't be like, they're there. You know, it's going to be okay. I know how this feels. They'll be like, no, you don't. You don't know how this feels. You're a man. You don't know what having a giving childbirth feels like at all, right? So in these communities, what I really like to leverage is to empower everybody else to be able to acknowledge and help everybody else by holding space that perhaps I can't hold because maybe I'm a man or because now I'm a father and someone has grandchildren issues and I've never had grandchildren, so I don't know what it's like. You know, So number one is to help people live in accordance to their core values so that they could feel like, okay, what I'm doing is true to me. And then the second part is creating a community where people could support each other in a way that is not just beneficial to the person that they're supporting, but it's also beneficial to the person that is giving that support. And then we always like to say it's when you receive, it's also like acknowledging. And when you acknowledge someone, it's also like receiving. It's this two-way energetic release that is really awesome for both people. Love it. Love it. So obviously you're someone that has done so much already with your career. And then one thing that really impresses me about you, even before we officially met and had a conversation, is that you give back so much to your community. Like no one is asking you to do it, but you're creating these, all these communities and you're always trying to give back and back and back. What enables you to do this to people like me and everyone around you? 
Yeah, this is a very great question. You know, sometimes I wonder, you know, I used to ask myself, like, why do I do all this stuff? And there was a part of me that thought, okay, there must be some busy work that I'm really trying to avoid here, right? So it's like, okay, let me focus on other people's problems so I don't have to focus on my own problems. And you know what? That was a very salient question to ask because a lot of the stuff that I used to do for the community was exactly because I didn't want to deal with my shadow work. You know, the deep, dark stuff about myself that I didn't want to address. Like, Seba, why are you a people pleaser? Well, you're a people pleaser because deep down, you don't think people will like you unless you give them free vaporizers. You know, that was a very important thing for me to acknowledge, right? Mm. And then once I acknowledged that, what I realized was like, no, I also like helping people because it makes me feel good, right? And, you know, in the previous question, we talked about purpose quite a bit. You know, what's the difference between someone's passion and someone's purpose. Well, I think of someone's passion, like I love jujitsu. So I go do jujitsu and every day I do jujitsu, I feel better about myself. You know, jujitsu is for me. Now purpose, I look at it as different. You know, purpose is also something I love doing, but it's for something greater than me. You know, mm -hmm. and my purpose is to help Asian men, you know, live in accordance, live in accordance with their core beliefs, right? So for me, understanding that my passion is jujitsu, but my purpose is to help other Asian males live in accordance with their core beliefs, you know, it makes it easy for me to give back to the community because I know that not only does this make me feel good, but it's for the greater good of the community. And you know what? For anyone with children, they should understand this immediately is like, dude, it's like, even if you were do like, even if you weren't altruistic in your, desires to do this work it's in your best interest to do this work because you want the world to be a better place for your kids too 100 love that i don't have any kids yet so i cannot really relate to that but yeah i <laughs> i love that i love that vibe one thing that we're, we're definitely trying to do is enabling people like you community leaders to kind of intertwine their community by connecting their members together and then Essentially, what we are standing for as an organization at High Right Now is enabling and empowering humanity to form meaningful connections. What does that mean to you as you're building this community, as you're pushing forward and as, as you're on your own personal quest to impact Asian men and beyond? Yeah, you know, this is a very interesting question and one I probably need to think a little bit more deeply about before I answer, but I'll go ahead and just kind of shoot from the hip from like my knee-jerk reaction is that, you know, the way I see this platform being utilized, it's, it's a great way for people to be able to practice leadership in that every time that you are put in a brand new room and you have to discuss something with someone brand new, you know, someone needs to be the leader and someone needs to be the follower of that discussion. Right. And, you know, for me, a lot of what I want to do is to empower not just Asian men, but everyone else to practice their leadership. And you can't practice leadership, like just looking in a mirror and, you know, practicing your speech leadership, emotional intelligence, relational intelligence, anything that requires, you know, human interaction in order to cultivate, you can't do in isolation, you know? So mm. when I see a tool like Hi right now, I see this as a way, you know, specifically for the communities that I'm thinking about, Asian males or men that want to work on emotional intelligence, 
is that this gives them a way to interact with a bunch of other men. And the rules of engagement for us is that, hey, we're here to be ourselves. We're not here to brag about what we've done. And we're not here to to downplay any of our achievements. You know, we're here to show up as we are, you know, and that is a very interesting scenario for men to be in, because I think when men meet each other, we always have this unspoken way of figuring out where we are on a totem pole, right? Hey, oh, you're a startup entrepreneur too? Oh yeah, so am I. How many exits do you have? You know, it's like the, these are like these weird, like little ways of like kind of identifying like, okay, am I higher than you or am I lower than you? And ultimately mm-hmm. what I'm really trying to foster here is, yeah, comparison to understand where you are in the pecking order is always good from a kind of expectation setting point of view. But when you are just trying to meet people and trying to connect with people, those things don't matter at all. You know, like if you are a male trying to attract a woman, like, and you are playing these posturing games the whole time in your head of trying to identify, like, am I good enough for her? Or is she good enough for me? Or what is the next thing I'm supposed to say? Well, guess what? You're missing the point of the conversation. The point of the conversation is to be present with the person across the screen from you. And, you know, these types of social interactions, I see them happen quite a bit. And what I'm hoping with something like high right now is that you give people a bunch of repetitions where they could practice meeting someone new and not posturing to try to impress them, but really just meeting them to really see like, Hey, Steven, what are you interested in? Oh, I'm interested in that too. Let's talk about that versus going, Oh, Steven's a startup founder. Okay. He's probably into, you know, these tech publications. Let me just talk about tech publications even though I have no interest in it. So when he starts telling me, you know, or maybe a better example is when I was younger, someone said, Hey, women love it. When you compliment their shoes, that's a great way to start a conversation. (laughs) So I would be like, Hey, nice shoes. And they'd be like, Oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is the Jimmy Chew or whatever. And then I'd be like, okay, well, I had no interest in women's shoes from the get go. So when you tell me Jimmy Chew, you know, I don't really have a response, right? That that was more of just like, okay, you say something to start something, a conversation. But, you know, if you're really not interested in that thing, you know, that's not a genuine conversation. So I believe with High right now, you know, we're going to give a lot of people the opportunity to work on something that has been forgotten, which is the lost art of conversation. I love that. The lost art of conversation and giving people an opportunity to be more present and then thereby learning learning leadership. I love that. I'm definitely going to make a mental note of that. Cool. What's something that you think that you want people to remember about you? What's something people want? Oh, man, what an interesting question. You know, so legacy was something that was very important to me when i was younger then when i got older i was just like we all die why is legacy important but you know what i think like i would like to be remembered for is being one of the people that were just not afraid to go after whatever they wanted you know and not only that but if you discover something if you discover something about your goal that you realize is no longer your goal, then being open to pivoting. You know, like I thought I want to be an attorney. I pivoted. I thought I wanted to be a tech person. I pivoted. I thought I wanted to be a cannabis entrepreneur. And then I pivoted, right? And 
I think that for a lot of people, they believe that, you know, they only have a few chances in life to decide what they want to do. And I think that, you know, if you do believe that, then you're probably right, you know, but I don't believe that. And at least the data points in my life have proven that I'm right, you know, which is it's never too late to start something. And if you don't have experience, you could always figure out and learn it. You know, just because kids learn quicker doesn't mean when you're 40, you can't learn quickly as all um, as quickly. You know, like I I became an expert in environmental packaging over the last five months. You know, this was not something prior to the last five months I had any interest in. And now I have enough knowledge to give talks on this topic. And I will be wow. giving talks on this topic. And no one's going to be like, hey, Sabo, you've only had five months of experience. And I'd be like, yeah, you're right. But, you know, look, in these five months, I have like 10 years worth of, of knowledge in my head because, you know, I was able to focus on that. So what I would like to be known for is not as a type of coach that doesn't just tell you what to do, but the type of coach that you just see him doing the same things that he tells you to do. Love it. Love it. And that, I guess, ties very nicely into the last question that I have for you for today, Sabo. Any tips or advice? You've given me loads of advice already, but any tips or advice for aspiring world changers and entrepreneurs and people who are trying to make a dent in this universe? Yes, yes, absolutely. So what's interesting is I just read an article by Mark Manson prior to this podcast, and it was about how to find your purpose. And he gave really great advice in the article. So I'm just going to paraphrase a few of them. And let's give Mark Manson credit for these is number one, you know, he talks about when you're looking for your purpose, there's a few questions that you need to ask yourself. You know, one of them is, will this next activity embarrass me? And it kind of seems like a kind of funny question. But he says, well, in, in order to find what's important to you, you have to try a lot of new things. And when you try a lot of new things, well, you're not going to be good at it in the beginning. You're probably going to be bad and you're going to embarrass yourself. So are you willing to put up with that embarrassment to get good at that new thing? Right. And I thought, oh, this is like such a great piece of advice because there's a lot of people out there that, you know, when they come to me for coaching, they're like, hey, I want you to help me find my passion. And I'm like, I can't help you do that because, you know, if you do have a passion, I could help you get to your, to your goal of your passion, but your passion, you have to find yourself. So when I read this mm. article, I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense because, you know, a lot of these people don't know what their passion is because, well, they're too scared to try a lot of new things because they're afraid of being embarrassed, you know, but if you try a lot of these new things, like when I tried freestyling, of course it was embarrassing. Like I did that on Facebook Live. Like tons of people were like laughing. But you know what? I realized I love freestyling and now I could freestyle pretty good. I went against this comedian the other day and I smoked him. So nice. the, the net net of this story is, you know, you got to try a lot of new things to really figure out what resonates with you. Another thing that he talked about was, hey, you know, if you had to leave the house today and not go back in, how would you spend your time? So you can't go to a coffee shop. You can't go read a book. You have to go do something. What would you do with your time? And you know what? I was like, whoa, this is such an interesting question because I was going to say I'd go to the library or, you know, coffee shop and read. It's like, no, you can't do that. You got to go do some activity. What is that activity that you will do with your time? And then the last thing was, how are you going to save the world? Right. And, you know, this is kind of like a big question to ask yourself. But, you know, 
when people are looking for their purpose, you got to think about something that is larger than yourself. So for me, it was, well, how can I save the world? Well, through hemp plastics, and I'm going to save the environment. So that gave me a lot of purpose as well. So I think for a lot of people that are looking to, you know, how can I be successful? How could I deal with the grind? How can I get to my monetary goals? It's like, well, life, life, life is really freaking difficult. And even if you love whatever you're doing, you know, like we love startups, but we've encountered tons of challenges. And I argue that when you find your passion or when you find your purpose, it's not so much that you feel really great every day about doing what you're doing. It's that you're willing to deal with so much more bullshit to keep that thing going. So that's why I think it's really important. Like what Mark Manson said was, you know, go find and do things that embarrass you because if you keep doing those things, those things are core to you. And if you find a purpose bigger than you, you know, that will really empower you through all the different emotional changes that you may have throughout the day, the week, the month. And then the last thing about like, hey, if you had to go outside today, leave your house and you couldn't come back in, you know, how would you spend your time that day? You know, like I'm pretty sure it's not, I'm going to go write a roadmap for next year's product. You know, you're probably going to go, okay, maybe I'll go painting or maybe I'll find someone to do jujitsu or maybe I'll go ride my bike, whatever it is. It's something that you need to start thinking about and figure out like, you know, what is core to you as a human? And I argue that this is the type of work that you need to do first before you start thinking about whatever entrepreneurial activity you want to do is really align your purpose first and then figure out what your vision is afterwards. Oh, that was that was so heartfelt and that that really moved me and that touched me because as you're talking about all of that, it just kind of I was thinking about my own life, right? What led me to founding high right now with my co-founders. And uh, yeah, I, it, it really, really resonated with me. Always inspirational, always vibey. Sable, thank you so much for your time. And uh, until next time. Until next time, Stephen Choi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And great job inventing this awesome, awesome application. Thank you.